Thank you for taking time to join us for this week's episode of Just Another Conspiracy Show with your host, Jeff Williams. A little house cleaning to start off with. Big thanks out to A View From Space Fan Club on Facebook, and also to Spooky, Weird, and Cool, another great group on Facebook, both, have been, both of which have been extremely supportive to me as I've been finding my feet and beginning this broadcast. Most importantly, a special thanks to you, the listener, for giving me the chance and and taking the chance to listen to me. For even when I was unsure of myself, you were generous enough to welcome me into your homes and lend me your ears. And because of that, tonight we're going to go beyond the headlines, beyond politics, beyond the lies. I presume by this stage that no one listening is particularly interested in who's taking who to the Oscars and whatever dates the celebrities have going on with each other. What we're interested in is the headlines that didn't make the headlines. For example, under the new president, the U.S. has restarted their alert patrol of nuclear-armed B-52 bombers. This means that at any moment, there are 12 B-52 bombers, each with 24 air-launched cruise missiles, airborne and ready to deploy at any second. This was done during the Cold War. Because, of course, it takes time to fuel up an aircraft and get it in the air. So, logically, to make sure your enemy can't take your airplanes out on the ground, if they're in the air and ready to deploy, you have an advantage over your enemy. Now, since these B-52s are armed with cruise missiles, that adds a further problem. Cruise missiles are very difficult to detect and intercept. They fly at low levels, very close to the ground. They have what's called terrain-following radar, which means they skim the surface, mapping ahead, so as close to a mountain as possible they'll go, shooting down to the valley beyond and skipping just over the terrain at the far end. They basically are invisible to everything except the most advanced radars. It's virtually impossible to intercept them unless you happen to have an aircraft armed with just the right type of missile or an insanely lucky and alert crew with an anti-aircraft gun. As we've seen during both Gulf Wars, Tomahawk cruise missiles have an uncanny effective hit radius against even the incredibly well-defended Baghdad. Now, the curious thing is that the United States chose a 70-year-old bomber for this role, the B-52, not the much newer B-1B or the B-2s. 
the B1s were designed in the 1970s, and the B8s were a secret project that was only unveiled in 1988. Now, it's somewhat understandable because the B1s have been re-engineered away from the nuclear role, so they're not really the best designed to be carrying nuclear weapons. They could refit them once again, but it doesn't make much sense. The B2, the B2 definitely has nuclear capabilities, but it's a stealth aircraft, so it doesn't really show up as any sort of power projection. It, the entire purpose of the B2 is not to be seen, whereas the B-52 is a big flag to the world saying, we're here, we're armed, we're ready to fight. Now, that means the B-52s are a threat to the world. The question is, who are they threatening? Not necessarily the North Koreans, because despite all the saber-rattling that's going on, the North Koreans and South Koreans actually are holding their first games, somewhat similar to the Olympics, and they have some sort of coexistence, some sort of cooperation. But quietly, in response, Russia has sent 16 nuclear-armed submarines into the waters. Unlike the B-52s, the Soviet, or sorry, well, they were Soviet-designed, I can say that. The Soviet-slash-Russian nuclear subs are designed to be invisible. Unlike the B-52s, you will not know where these subs are. They can be parked off the coast of California, New York, London, England, or even just sitting off the coast in Russia, waiting for their final orders. So what we have here is a re-engagement of Cold War policies. Now what is spurring on this pull back towards the 1980s? Well, you're going to find that the US president's campaign gives you the clue you need there. His slogan of Make America Great Again was repeated quite often. And, as he quite often said, Ronald Reagan was the man he admired the most. Now think about this. After Ronald Reagan, we have George Bush, Sr., um, Bill Clinton, uh, George Bush, Jr., and Barack Obama. None of which, despite all the crisis and wars that they went through, saw the need for alert bombers. And in all that time, Russia has been content to keep their side of the peace. Now suddenly, we find ourselves back in the 1980s, back to the constant threat of nuclear annihilation, just like what Ronald Reagan had done. Another interesting coincidence is that Vladimir Putin, the president, prime minister, and pretty much the be-all, end-all of Russia, <clears throat> in his time has watched Bill Clinton retire from office, George Bush retire from office, and Obama retire from office. And at just about 63 years of age, he's still pretty young. He's probably thinking he's going to see another U.S. president out of office. So why would a man with all the time in the world who has played the game so well that Russia has managed to use its oil revenue to reduce its debt and 
become a viable economy. And meanwhile, the United States is spending like a drunken sailor on everything and everything, except perhaps its own people. Why in all this has the watchdog group in charge of the doomsday clock moved it back to three minutes to midnight? Well, because this is, this is restarting the tensions between the East and the West. This is what the Illuminati really want, two sides they can manipulate. The threat of terrorism was enough to give them concessions over you, the individual. They got your rights away, your ability to travel freely. Let's be honest, since 2001, taking an airplane is a radically different experience. I personally managed to walk into several countries with nothing more than a driver's license. I very much doubt I could do that today. So you have to ask, who would benefit from a nuclear war? God forbid that it came. Well, obviously the hidden ones, the New World Order. But one has to ask oneself, how would they survive a nuclear attack? They always had a plan. It's just how they chose to go about it was the mystery. Well, that mystery was actually solved in the 1970s. In the BBC, that would be the British Broadcasting Company, there's a documentary produced that was initially trying to track down what happened to some missing British scientists. You see, there were British scientists going missing. They would go to the United States to accept lucrative jobs. Of course, these were black project jobs. And they simply vanished off the face of the earth. They weren't speaking to their families. They weren't sending money home. They just simply went away. As the people continued with their investigation, they found there were three, shock there were three shocking answers and it all had to do around what they called pollution. Um, at the time, the documentary was assumed to be about atmospheric pollution, since CFCs and or ground, groundhouse gases, car emissions, were just as bad in the 1970s as they were today. But the truth is, we are the pollution. The hidden ones believe in Malthus, Thomas Malthus and his theory of overpopulation. And they see us, the regular people, <clears throat> as the po pollution that is taking away the Earth's bounty. They want to find a way to deal with the problem of too many humans. Now, Thomas Malthus made a prediction that while a population would go up exponentially, the amount of food available would only go up mathematically, which basically means for every four points, sorry, try that again, for every four times a population goes up, the food only goes up double. And as we hear and are reminded constantly by some rather famous scientists, the Earth's population is getting too much for the planet. Now the veracity of this, we'll, be, we'll discuss that another time. Again, the Illuminati see this as their special problem that they are in the position to solve, to wipe out the human pollution from the planet and set up their own preserve. Now, the first 
alternative that was proposed in this documentary called Alternative 3. Alternative 1, if you will, was to blow up some nukes near Earth's poles, the North Pole and the South Pole. The thought was, if you blew these nukes up, it would create a hole, the pollution would magically go up through these holes, and the rest of the planet would be fine. Now, even the Illuminati were not silly enough to consider this, because... Yes, you might be able to get rid of smog and, you know, some toxic toxic substances in the atmosphere, but the radiation and fallout that would result from the air circulation from the poles would be absolutely toxic to the survivors. Um, you may recall Elon Musk proposing to do this recently, although his target was Mars. His idea was he could use nukes near Mars's poles, and thereby release the water. But then again, Mars is virtually a dead planet, so far as we know. And maybe Elon Musk's plan wouldn't be so bad. After all, the way things look, according to all the science we have, Mars, any, or sorry, any Martian inhabitants in the near future would require radiation suits and extensive decontamination of everything that they touched. However, his plan, once again, alternative one, nuking the poles of whether Earth or Mars, has just been tossed out as being too ridiculous and having too many negatives. Now, alternative two was to build big underground bunkers. We know this is one they actually went ahead with. There are things called deep underground military bunkers. Yes, the acronym for that is DUMB, Deep Underground Military Bunkers, and they do exist. There are several of them throughout the nation. Perhaps the most famous one would be the NORAD Command Center in Cheyenne Mountain, Colorado, I believe it is, made famous by the TV series Stargate SG-1. Literally, it is a hole dug into the side of a mountain with an extensive command complex underneath. It is. We are told it is tough enough to take a direct nuclear blast. And indeed, other complexes are rumored to exist. Denver, Colorado is supposed to have one, New York, Los Angeles, and of course, all the major air bases. There are even rumors that they are connected by underground tunnels, and even deeper rumors that secret trains going underneath at very fast speeds connect everywhere from coast to coast. Now, the connections in the trains may be slightly on the fanciful side, but we have seen that the military and the government are quite able to construct massive projects when they do see fit. In the public eye, the Channel Tunnel, from Britain to the France, the channel as it is known, was done in public and cost billions of dollars, but it is 100% successful and well worth the investment. So if you were truly convinced there was going to be something bad coming, a nuclear war, for example, or even something less mundane, like um, instead of human-caused agency, perhaps a meteor strike, the Yellowstone supervolcano going off, global warming, if it is bad as what we are told, any one of those things might be worth having your own personal bunker where you could stay isolated for a while. The only problem with that is 
underground bunkers are really no place to stay. You'd wind up having to stay there for possibly thousands of years in the event of a nuclear war. Or, in some of the more drastic predictions for the Yellowstone supervolcano and for global warming. So, alternative one is completely unsatisfactory for anyone who wants to survive on Earth. Alternative two has already been put into place. You might be asking, what precisely then would be alternative three? Well, alternative three was simply to leave the Earth and head for the Moon or and Mars. And this is what the hidden ones want. They want their home in the clouds. That's always been their goal, to ascend from humanity, leave us the flesh and blood behind, and live themselves like the gods did. Now, Elon Musk, again, his name comes up, is the head of SpaceX, whose main goal is to reach the red planet, establish colonies, and to live there. He himself has said it is his wish to die on Mars, but not by crash landing there. He was very specific to point that out. So he's a man, he's a billionaire, he's well-connected within the Illuminati. After all, SpaceX, despite it being a relatively new company, around 10-12 years old, has already been contracted by NASA and the U.S. military to send cargo and crews and even secret satellites into space. This is do the domain of giants like Boeing and Lockheed. The these are incredibly powerful companies that he has managed to muscle his way into. Now, to give credit to the man, he is certifiably a genius. A computer genius, he wrote his own first video game at the age of 12 and sold it for $500, which would be a fortune for a 12-year-old, and programming on the VIC-20, an incredible fortune. But it's obvious that Elon Musk is not just another billionaire. As a matter of fact, he is one of the faces of the Illuminati. He was born in South Africa, in 1971, which is smack dab during the apartheid era. And no matter his later exposure in life to multicultural life in Canada, the United States, the fact is his formative years, right up until the late 1980s, were spent in a country deeply divided along racial lines. Now, I am in no way accusing Elon Musk of being in any way racist, but I I do think we can find a little bit of an exclusionist sense in him. He's had citizenship in South Africa, in Canada, and the United States. The United States being the, his current area of citizenship. Now he wants to, sorry, Elon Musk wants to create a Mars colony, one staffed and run by people of his own choosing. That's the key thing here. He is prepared to go ahead alone. And there's other billionaires who are, quite frankly, richer than he is. Um, Paul Allen, Bill Gates, even Donald Trump. They are all incredibly wealthy, yet 
that generation of billionaires don't see this incredible need to leave the planet. Elon Musk does. Now, Elon Musk is also a generation younger than any of them. Elon Musk being born in 1971 and the others being from the 1950s and before. He he has developed very impressive technologies and as I said, he is a genius, but remember, celebrity is only an illusion. His designs are his own, but they're based in the technology from NASA and even Russia back in the early stages of his space career, he was trying to buy former ICBMs from both Russia and the United States and recondition them to use them in space. But he realized he could do the same thing, reusing the same basic components for one-tenth the cost and still make a profit. At least that's overtly what he has stated. Now, Elon Musk has basically personified Alternative 3. Like I said, he advocated blowing up nukes at the poles. He has said he wants a working Mars colony by 2040. Again, important date within his lifetime. And even more curious, he has a built-in trap door. Now you might be asking what a trap door is. A trap door is a term used by writers of television shows, which is when they design a character, there's a trap door built in, a little character flaw, something in their personality, so that when necessary, they can be gotten rid of. And Elon Musk has a rather significant trap door. He's talked on his own Twitter account about consuming wine and Ambien together. This is a dangerous combination, both of which are respiratory depressants. And indeed, Elon Musk has taken some flack for his advocation of using them. But as we can see from Michael Jackson, from Prince, and from many other celebrities, mixing medications is never a good idea. Now, I wish him no harm, and believe me, he has been maneuvered into position very carefully, but the, tr the, the plan of the Illuminati is always to have dirt on the celebrities they create. His rise has absolutely been supported by the Hidden Ones. His parents were well off, especially in South Africa at the time, but they're not wealthy. He's not like Bill Gates or Donald Trump, who came from families of millionaires who were able to spot him a few million dollars to start his companies. No, Elon Musk really is a rags-to-riches story. The difference is, Elon Musk has always been an innovator. He has patents to his name. He makes products and deals and is pretty much unrivaled in his generation, which so happens to be mine as well. So as a public face of Alternative 3 for the Illuminati, he already knows he has to toe the line. He doesn't want to, he does want to relocate to Mars, as per his wish. He wants to live with his chosen citizens. And he was a child of apartheid, like I've said. 
This is very much like a James Bond villain. You may recall the film Moonraker. Not necessarily one of James Bond's better adventures, but it does involve a villain whose entire plan was to create a space station to use, in the in Moonraker's case, to use poisonous spores to kill the planet's population and then repopulate it with his own chosen people. Just as a side note, um, Elon Musk happens to own the, uh, the car that was used in The Spy Who Loved Me. And he has the intention to convert it back to its original form where it could transform from, one, from a car into a submarine. No word on whether he's planning on including the weapon systems, but it's a curious thing for a man whose every single move has been to develop technology from Mars, from Tesla cars, to the Hyperloop station. All these things run on electricity. And, of course, his spacecraft would create a colony that was self-contained. Where would they have the air or the fossil fuels for his magical James Bond car? Where would this pool of water be that he could drive this car into? Everything in his life is so single-handedly devoted to Mars, except for this one little project. And that is something I haven't quite solved about him yet, but I guess everybody needs a hobby outside of their job. And it is his job to execute Alternative 3. Now, if there was a nuclear exchange, or a disaster like Stephen Hawking and Dr. Michio Kaku have predicted, Elon Musk's people would be ideally suited to survive and become the new elite. They would look down from Mars, and they would have the technology that we need. They would have the technology, the internet, and working vehicles to come back and forth from Earth, while we would have nothing. Remember this about humanity. We have one foot on the technological ladder. God forbid we had to start over tomorrow, even with our cities and everything inside of them. How many among us could rebuild an oil derrick? And even more so, how would we possibly be able to extract the oil that's so far underneath the ground? The fact is, if we're trying to survive and look for food, we simply can't. Most of us don't possess the knowledge to construct a microchip much less how to program it. Those of us who are good campers and enjoy the outdoors, at best are going to be able to do some fishing, some hunting, some trapping, and to survive. And when you're in survival situation, there's not going to be much time to figure out how to reinvent the light bulb. Pun intended. But for Elon Musk and his Alternative 3 Elite, who would undoubtedly include the Illuminati, they would be sitting pretty in their throne in the clouds looking down on us. And that is, unfortunately, the reality that we are in as long as those B-52 bombers are orbiting on their stations and those Russian subs have disappeared in the waters into the ocean. A special thanks to everybody for listening. Just a reminder, in addition to a podcaster, I'm also an author. 
on Amazon, if you look for Jeff Williams, The, Secret of, the Secrets of Solomon, you will find my first book, which is an expose on King Solomon. It may provide you with some insights on his life that you are not yet aware of. At the first week of March, I will also be launching my next book, Cemetery Island, which involves a tr young man who has gone through a troubled life who finds himself in a very bizarre situation. I'll, lead out leaving in, sorry, I'll leave a little more information on that as we get closer to the time. But for now, I wish to say thank you all. Thank you for listening. Have a great day, whatever you're doing. Pleased to be with you once again.